Hi, friends. Welcome back to Have You Met Her, a podcast about amazing women. I'm Paige, and I've been digging into the lives of some lesser-known women in history and then sharing some of their stories with you. For this month, I wanted to keep things a little bit light. So, as my holiday gift to you, we're going to be talking about women who were interesting and charming, defying norms, and unapologetically themselves. Like a lot of people, I love true crime. I find it fascinating. I read books about crimes, watch documentaries, and listen to a handful of podcasts rooted in the true crime world. For today's episode, I chose to tell you about a woman who became the first female detective in American history. She used confidence and logic to be offered the job, feminine intuition to help solve important cases, and once she proved not only herself capable, but all women capable, she became a leader and taught other women how to do the same. She was strong-willed and so confident in herself and her abilities. Grab your pipe and magnifying glass. Here's episode 42, Have You Met Kate Warren? A 23-year-old widow walked into the Chicago-based Pinkerton National Detective Agency one hot summer day. She asked to speak to Mr. Alan Pinkerton himself and was shown into his office. Alan described his visitor as above medium height, slender, graceful in her movements, and perfectly self-possessed in her manner. The young woman introduced herself as Kate Warren and said that she was there in response to an advertisement for employment that she had seen in the newspaper. She was interested in the job. Mr. Alan Pinkerton apologized that Mrs. Warren had misunderstood. Unfortunately, there were no positions currently available for a secretary. Kate apologized that she hadn't been clear. She had seen that Pinkerton was looking to add a detective to its roster, and that was the job that she was interested in. The year was 1856. No American detective agency had hired a female detective before, as far as Mr. Pinkerton knew, and he declared to Kate that it is not the custom to employ women detectives. But he was intrigued by Kate's confidence and asked her, why she was interested in the position, and why she thought that she would be a good fit. Kate took a deep breath, looked Mr. Pinkerton in the eye, and said, Women have an eye for detail and are excellent observers. She believed that a woman detective would be able to go and worm out secrets in many places to which it was impossible for male detectives to gain access. She suggested that a woman would be able to befriend the wives and mistresses of criminals, pointing out that they were the most likely to hear a criminal's confession. Men, she believed, could keep secrets easily from other men, but would find it harder not to brag to women that they wanted to impress. 
Mr. Alan Pinkerton thanked Kate for her time and asked that she give him the evening to consider the case for hiring her. The Pinkerton National Detective Agency, and we need to just take a minute and appreciate how perfect the name Pinkerton is for a national detective agency, had been founded in Chicago in 1850 by a Scottish immigrant named Alan Pinkerton. He had arrived in America first in Dundee, Illinois, and worked as a cooper. That means that he was trained to make wooden casks, barrels, vats, and buckets. Before long, he became interested in police work and served as a deputy sheriff in two Chicago-area counties before he became a special agent for the U.S. Post Office. Eventually, he decided to go into business for himself, opening the first private detective agency in the country. The agency handled a variety of cases, including white-collar crimes, thefts, and cons, finding a lot of work connected to the railway lines. Although the name and the focus of the agency has changed many times since 1850, Pinkerton National Detective Agency still exists today. Alan Pinkerton couldn't deny being impressed with Kate's ideas and the creative thinking that she obviously brought to their meeting. It seemed his biggest concern was whether or not Kate would have the physical stamina that he usually required of his detectives. One time, a Pinkerton agent had to follow a horse-drawn carriage for 12 miles by running after it. He was fairly certain that Kate wouldn't have been able to do that. We don't know if Alan Pinkerton was just an amazing advocate for women's rights, or if he just realized that Kate had the potential to make him some money. But either way, it was clear that he was open to using innovative methods to solve cases. In his journals, he wrote, I finally became convinced that it would be a good idea to employ her. True, it was the first experiment of this sort that had ever been tried. But we live in a progressive age and in a progressive country. I therefore determined at least to try it. The next morning, when Kate returned to his office, she was offered the position, securing her place in history as the first woman detective. She only had a couple of days to get acquainted with the office's policies and expectations before she was sent out on her first assignment. We don't know a lot about Kate's younger years. We don't really know much about her family or her upbringing, but it was said that when Kate was a young girl, she wanted to be an actress. She brought her passion for acting into her undercover roles and quickly proved that she was fearless, versatile, and had strong instincts. Kate's chameleon-like ability to adapt to situations gave her a huge advantage as a detective. She could blend in well, whether she was hobnobbing with the elite or drinking at a tavern. She was brave and comfortable doing what she was doing because she was good at it. For one case, Kate played a fortune teller to get information from a superstitious suspect. In another case, she played a woman who, coincidentally, made friends with a murder suspect's wife and was able to search their home for clues without being discovered. 
Alan Pinkerton admitted that she succeeded far beyond his utmost expectations, and he very quickly found her to be an invaluable acquisition to his force. In 1858, Kate was brought on to the Adams Express case. The Adams Express was a postal delivery service, and several packages containing $40,000 went missing. In today's money, that's over a million dollars. The company had a suspect. It was an employee named Nathan Maroney, but they couldn't find any evidence other than he had the perfect last name for a thief, Maroney. The company was desperate to recover the money and charge Maroney, so they had reached out to the Pinkerton Agency. Kate went undercover as Madame Imper, a wealthy Southern woman who had a dark secret. Her husband was in jail for forgery. After a not-so-chance meeting with Mrs. Maroney, Kate played the park perfectly. She would weep over letters that she had supposedly received from her husband in jail, but put on a show of hiding her grief. Mrs. Maroney was desperate to befriend Kate's cover, and like a beautiful dance, Kate as Madame Impere had Mrs. Maroney eating out of her hand. The women bonded over being in love with criminals, and Mrs. Maroney shared all the intel about her husband's embezzlement and even went to Kate for advice on what to do with the money. Since pretend Kate's pretend husband was in jail for financial crimes, Mrs. Maroney trusted Kate with the stolen money. She dug up the entire amount from the dirt cellar in a family member's house and handed the money over to Kate. With her successes, Alan placed unreserved faith in Kate's ability. When asked about his female detective, Mr. Pinkerton would say, she has never failed me. He decided to form an entire female detective bureau and place Kate in charge. She oversaw recruitment and training of all the agency's women detectives from 1860 until the end of her life. With the agency's growth, Kate helped the Bureau expand into multiple regional Pinkerton branches. She personally oversaw the establishment of the Female Detective Bureau in New Orleans. In 1861, Kate participated in another high-stakes, high-profile Pinkerton case, this time involving President-elect Abraham Lincoln. After Lincoln had been elected, but before he left Springfield, Illinois to take office, Samuel Felton, the president of the Philadelphia, Wilmington, and Baltimore Railroad, hired Pinkerton to investigate rumors that there was a plan to assassinate the new president. Mr. Felton knew that the plans had been laid for Lincoln to travel by train from Illinois to D.C., making stops in major cities along the way. If Lincoln were to be assassinated on one of his railroads, he might never recover. In December of 1860, South Carolina had declared their secession from the United States. Other southern states soon followed, Mississippi, Florida, Alabama, Georgia, Louisiana, and Texas. 
that Southern states wanted the authority to abolish federal laws that they didn't support. In this case, specifically, laws that interfered with the South's right to keep slaves. As you can imagine, keeping Lincoln from being sworn into office and getting rid of him for good would be a huge win for the secessionists. Pinkerton knew that knowledge would be power in protecting Mr. Lincoln, so he sent a group of his most trusted detectives undercover in Baltimore, the only slave-holding city on the president-elect's planned journey to the capital. Kate took on the role of Mrs. Barley, a Southern woman with an accent as sweet as molasses and secession sympathies. She wore a black and white rosette, the emblem of the secession movement, prominently displayed in her hair, on her hat, or pinned to her chest. This symbol caught attention of the ladies in Baltimore, and she was almost immediately accepted by the wives and daughters of the conspirators. Kate joined the festivities and meetings that took place at the Barnum Hotel, and the information from those loose lips filled Kate's ears. From Mr. Pinkerton's records on the case, he said, The information Kate received was invaluable. Many hints were dropped in her presence, which found their way to me and were of great benefit. The Barnum Hotel was the favored gatherings place for secessionists in Baltimore. Cipriano Ferrandini, a barber from Corsica, had a salon in the basement of the hotel and was allegedly an active ringleader of the group. Witnesses remember one especially passionate speech when Mr. Ferrandini unsheathed a long knife and exclaimed, Lincoln shall never, never be president. My life is of no consequence. I am willing to give it for his. I will sell my life for that of that abolitionist. If necessary, we will die together. The plan to assassinate Lincoln was that when his train arrived at Baltimore's Calvert Street Station midday on February 23rd, Lincoln would travel about a mile to the Camden Street Station for his departure. The rebels, with the help of the sympathetic Baltimore police force, would distract any bodyguards and shoot Mr. Lincoln. Accomplices were ready to help the assassin escape the city and travel safely to the South, where they would be celebrated as a hero. Having gathered reliable and clear pieces of the plan, Pinkerton and his agents were able to counter it. Most important to their plan was to have a crackerjack woman detective who they trusted completely to play a vital role. Enter Kate. Pinkerton himself went to Philadelphia and met with Lincoln and his team there. Lincoln was determined to fulfill his scheduled engagements in Philadelphia and Harrisburg, so Pinkerton created the timeline and plan around those events. After the Harrisburg reception, Lincoln took a special 6 p.m. train that only included one passenger car and one baggage car back to Philadelphia. Meanwhile, the train from Philadelphia to Baltimore was intentionally delayed, kept waiting for a poor woman's sick brother who would be arriving to travel with her. Kate was that poor woman. She had secured the back half of a sleeping car with four berths, one for her, one for Pinkerton, 
one for Abraham Lincoln, and one for his personal bodyguard. The poor woman's sick brother arrived, wrapped in a shawl and wearing a hat. It was Lincoln, of course, but the few people aware of what was happening played the scene beautifully. From Pinkerton's notes on the case, Mrs. Warren came forward and familiarly greeted the president as her brother. We entered the sleeping car by the rear door without unnecessary delay and without anyone being aware of the distinguished passenger who had arrived. The train departed. All three protectors were armed with pistols, and Pinkerton watched as they passed from each station along the route, watching for signals that all was well from his other detectives. Pinkerton's logo, which consists of a picture of an eye and the motto, We Never Sleep, is said to have originated from Kate's role of watching Lincoln in the sleeping car. It was said that Lincoln said about Kate, I believe it has not hitherto been one of the prerequisites of the presidency to acquire in full bloom so charming and accomplished a female relation. Kate supposedly said about Lincoln, Mr. Lincoln is very homely and so very tall that he could not lay straight in his berth. When the train arrived at Baltimore, it was 3.30 in the morning. The sleeping car was transferred to another train that went unnoticed onto Washington, D.C., arriving safe, sound, and well-rested. Without Kate's protection, Lincoln might not have escaped Maryland alive. Kate stayed in Baltimore to monitor the situation and perhaps smirk just a little at the disappointed would-be assassins. When the crowds realized that Lincoln was already in D.C., the lead conspirators figured that their plans had been discovered and they fled. The Pinkerton Agency received a lot of publicity for its role in protecting Lincoln pre-inauguration assassination attempt, but there was little mention of Kate's role. But that's probably at least partly intentional. In her position, Kate shouldn't be a celebrity. As Lincoln's first term progressed into the Civil War, Pinkerton became the head of a new government agency, the Secret Service. Kate continued posing as a Southern belle, passing information about the Confederates to her boss. She worked her magic yet again, befriending other Southern women and flirting with Southern gentlemen. It's said that at one point, Kate even interacted with John Wilkes Booth. Kate also continued as the head of Pinkerton's female department of detectives. She and many of her operatives did courageous work, equal in their fearlessness to any of their male counterparts. Author Brad Meltzer said it best when he wrote about Kate. At the end of the day, what she was amazing at was understanding how people don't look at you depending on what they think of you. She keenly understood that the way men used to underestimate women was an advantage for her. On January 28, 1868, when Kate was only 34 or 35 years old, she died of pneumonia. Her employer and, by that time, best friend, Alan Pinkerton, was by her side. Mr. Pinkerton arranged to have Kate buried in the Pinkerton family plot at Graceland Cemetery in Chicago. 
Three years after her death, the Great Chicago Fire swept through Chicago and the Pinkerton Agency, like many other companies in the city, suffered the loss of their building and many of their records. Much of what Kate contributed is unknowable because of that loss. But do you know what is knowable? Ten years after her death, the male detectives at Pinkerton asked Alan Pinkerton to reconsider his policy on hiring women to work as detectives. Apparently, many of their wives had a problem with them working alongside women in the field. Pinkerton stood his ground to anyone who questioned the reasoning behind his female detective bureau and cited Kate as the example that proved his point. Kate's work led the way for other female detectives and for all women in law enforcement and investigation. Even if the road was long, the first woman wasn't allowed into the NYPD until 1891, and the department didn't hire a woman detective until 1903. One of my favorite things about Kate's story is the delicious audacity that she had to go after what she wanted, to do it confidently and passionately. I know that I have a much easier time advocating and speaking up for others than I do for myself, which is kind of a bummer, but I love that Kate believed in herself enough to convince others to give her an opportunity that no one saw coming. No one, at least, except Kate. While doing my research, I read an article from 2021 that said Emily Blunt and Dwayne Johnson had both signed on to be starring in and producing a movie about Kate Warren and her adventures. So keep your eyes open for that. To research today's episode, I read articles about Kate Warren. From museumhack.com, I read... Kate Warren, America's First Official Female Spy, by Kyla Majoni. From SmithsonianMag.com, I read how Kate Warren, America's First Woman Detective, foiled a plot to assassinate Abraham Lincoln, by Kelly B. Gromley. And I used information from both Pinkerton.com and Women'sHistoryBlog.com. I also discovered a webcomic called Kate Warren, Pinkerton Detective by Lauren R. Silberman that is delightful. I'll post a link in the show notes in case you want to check it out. If you're enjoying the podcast, the best way that you can support me and it is to take a minute to rate the podcast, especially on Apple or Spotify. Writing a few sentences about your favorite episode or your favorite theme really does help make the podcast more visible for people like you who may enjoy it. Please continue sharing this podcast with your friends. If you have an idea for a theme that you'd like to explore with me or a specific woman that you want to make sure is on the list, please email me at haveyoumetherpodcast at gmail.com. To those of you who have listened from the beginning, thank you. Visit our Instagram page at Have You Met Her Podcast to see some pictures of Kate Warren, although there's only a few still in existence. There's one of her that's still displayed at Pinkerton Agency headquarters, 
And there's one that's said to be her undercover as a man. So make sure to check that out. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform that you're using so that you never miss an episode. I'll see you next week when we'll talk about another woman who defined norms and was unapologetically herself.